every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. The administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility. Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Welcome to High Turnout Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I'm the county clerk in Boone County, Missouri, and with me is my co-host. Eric Fay, Director of Elections in St. Louis County, Missouri. And today we're going to be talking about all things GIS and ways that we can be improving how we do our mapping, how we do our redistricting, and we have two experts that we're going to be talking to today. So we're very excited to welcome Jamie and Bert. And uh, we will start off with our first question. And I don't know who wants to take this one first, but how did both of you end up working on elections related things? Good question. So uh, I don't really actually have a natural connection with elections. Um, in the early 2000s, I was working for the state of Utah's GIS office within its technology services department. And I was teaching classes for various folks working in state and local government. And I met the IT director for the Lieutenant Governor's Office. And the Lieutenant Governor's Office runs the state voter registration database in Utah. And uh, they were taking my GIS class and um, they just finished up their first implementation of Utah's HAVA uh, voter registration database. And I think, you know, we had a mutual interest. We kind of struck up a relationship our job in the state GIS center was helping agencies to have success with technology. You know, the elections office had just finished up their implementation of the first statewide voter registration database. And uh, it was built on address lists. And I think uh, in Utah, which is a fast growing state, they understood sort of the pain that it was going to be involved in maintaining those address lists, precinct assignments going forward until the next redistricting. And then they really understood the pain of doing a complete overhaul of that system based on the next uh, redistricting, which was in 2012. And so um, we had a mutual interest, struck up a relationship and um, kept in touch. And as redistricting approached the idea to formulate a project to use GIS with the Utah voter database, got more and more real. And then all of a sudden it got to be something that was um, needed right away. And, uh, we dropped everything to help them figure out how to do it. Hi, everyone. Jamie Chester here with NISGIC, National States Geographic Information Council. I'm director of programs there. And I started with NISGIC in December of 2017 and kind of ran into elections right then and there because the organization had just started a project called You Enabled Elections, and I became the project manager. But I must say that I'm also very interested in this space. I think it's an important civic duty to vote in an election. I feel it's my duty as a citizen of the country to be informed and engaged. And it's particularly hard these days, right, because our democracy is so polarized. But I do hold hard and fast to the truth and um, that it's important for us to be engaged and vote in our elections. I guess one thing that's not polarized is making sure people are voting in the right districts, right? And so I guess that's a little bit about 
what you all have been working on. Do you want to kind of explain what the main thrust of your work has been lately for as it relates to local election administration? So the geo-enabled elections project, the, the mission right out the gate is the right ballot to the right voter with the vision of this being the idea of facilitating the adoption of GIS or geographic information systems and related processes uh, that should enhance um, election management and also increase citizen engagement and confidence in the election process across the U.S. So, you know, whether it's the state, um, you know, the voter registration system and election data management happening kind of as at the state as an umbrella there, or at the county level with, you know, the voter registration system held there and, and things kind of bubbling up, either way, it's all about that right ballot getting to the right voter. Why is it in particular something that local election authorities should be involved in? Because I think one of the things that that often comes up is we're waiting on the states to redistrict, we're waiting on municipalities to redistrict. We have to draw our own precinct lines, but we have to wait for so many other people. And even then, we don't always have control over where our maps get put back into. Like Bert mentioned, voter registration databases are not all JS enabled. So what are you hoping in particular for local election authorities to, to glean? I, mean, I think it's important to remember that elections management has always been about the map, right? And if you go back a few decades, that was a map on the wall and a new voter might come in or someone who moved and you know the staff at the clerk's office would probably go consult the map, figure out where the address was on the map and figure out what precinct they should be assigned to. Um, it's always been about the map. And you know, in the early 2000s, maybe a little bit before then, when the voter registration database was being digitized into a statewide database in the case of the HAVA implementation, that map on the wall and that, that lookup of what precinct the voter was in got reduced to a bunch of tabular information in the database. And you couldn't see it. Um, you could ask it questions, but you didn't really know how good the results were that you were getting back. And in essence, kind of the map was sort of left behind and that, that visual consultation of where someone lives and what precinct they were in kind of got put somewhere on a shelf um, while that address list and database technology was asked to, to do the heavy lifting. And GIS enabled elections basically is bringing the map back and um, a more capable database that can store the information of where voters are and what district boundaries look like in map form, just like it was on, on the old wall maps. And the main advantage is that you can see the information resource. You can make, make maps of it. You can zoom in and look at the relationship of individual houses relative to boundaries. Um, and you can make sure that voters in the same area are assigned to the same precinct. So the, the reality is that this is not a new idea. And it's something that works at the local level. And if it works at the local level, there should be a way to realize the same benefits um, in these statewide election systems. Obviously, this is we're right in the middle of, well, not in the middle of it yet, but we're about to be in the middle of redistricting. Do you have any idea what the state of geo-enabled elections is or are across the country? I mean, to what extent do states have this capability right now? It's still 
one of, you know, I don't want to say GIS technology is new because it's not, but the, the level of usage for elections is not high. <laughs> In 2019, maybe 2018, NISJIC did a survey of state election directors around the country asking um, how many of them, you know, knew their GIO, geographic information officer, how many uh, were using GIS in elections, or, you know, if they were lucky enough, did they have some sort of integration with their voter registration system in GIS? And it was a very low number of those that responded. It was one in four, and we had under a 50% response rate. So there's much work that needs to happen. And particularly, you know, for, for local election officials, you know, oftentimes there is no GIS capacity within the local election office. And so what the project is doing at the local level, project meaning geo-enabled elections at NISJIC, is um, introducing the election officials and those in the election office to their GIS colleagues within the county. And at times also giving them resources at the state level as well. We also try to encourage um, a local election office to obtain a mentor and work with someone who has election expertise, perhaps in a different county in the United States or a different state, to give them that uh, GIS capacity and, and you know, to help them along the way. Um, but it is not a high number of uh, you know, states and, and counties that are using GIS in elections. Well, I guess the next question that logically follows in my mind, like, okay, so late 2021, early 2022, when it's crunch time to start redrawing stuff, is there going to be maybe a, a disparity between states and how nimble they are and, and, and their ability to have new district lines laid out for elections in 2022? I mean, do you see that as a potential issue across the country? When we did the redistricting and reprecincting implementation in Utah in 2012, um, as far as we could tell, we were the first state to do this at a statewide level. Um, for sure, GIS was being used in, in local um, elections management in many places around the country. But at a statewide level, I think um, no one's come forward and, and found an example of someone doing it earlier. And you know, a few year, years after that, we kind of checked around. We didn't really know who to ask, but we checked around to see what states had precinct map layers available online. And there were, if I remember, there were maybe five or six in, uh, in 2013. So it was clear that states were making progress in this direction. And I think that that's continuing, but it's, it, it, takes, it takes a big commitment. It's a, it's a big decision to, to move to a full GIS implementation statewide. It's gotta be done in collaboration with the local clerk's offices and you've gotta have certain boxes checked in terms of the geographic data that's available to, to be used across the state. Utah's state voter registration database, the interface to that system that the clerks use lets um, people type in an address, it's auto-located um, as a point. You can see that point on a map and you can decide whether um, you want to view that point with um, street information or aerial photography or parcel information to verify that you, the 
point is in the wrong in the right place. And then that point gets assigned a precinct based on what precinct and split boundary it's within. That's only possible with those supporting data resources. And then of course you've got to have your statewide map of voting unit geography, the precincts and the splits. And you know, that was something that that took a month or two to compile and it took a lot of coordination and collaboration with the county officials. But um, you know, everyone kind of saw the advantages to that, pulled together and, and brought it together and it's been maintained um, ever since through periodic updates. Whenever someone changes their precinct map, uh, they send that into the state. It gets loaded into the system and the clerk staff can see those boundaries on that heads up map when they're um, locating or um, checking the location of individual voters. Given the fact that in order to have a statewide map, you have to have good county data, do you think that there will be a point in, in doing these and training all of these local election authorities and things like that, even though it can't be done now, do you think that it will eventually be easier for states to get on board if enough counties have knowledge? Do you think that there will be some pressure on states because of the counties? Is that is that part of the calculation into how we might get GIS enabled in elections faster? I think everybody's got to see the advantage. And I, I think it goes back to that comment about like elections management has always been about that, that map on the wall and the ability to see where addresses are and what precincts they're in. And I, I think that the one thing that we had working for us in Utah was that the staff within the Lieutenant Governor's office did a great job of reaching out to the county clerks and explaining to them what was proposed and what the benefit would be. And, you know, it definitely represented a little bit of a change in how information was managed, but most everybody right away saw the advantage. And, you know, when you come around to that once every 10 year redistricting need to re-precinct, um, it can be done in a matter of hours if the data is in good shape versus weeks. What kind of things have you found in working with all of these different jurisdictions with all of these different populations and capabilities and technology? One of the things that's been particularly positive and has really worked for the project and how we work with counties and, and also states is that we kind of meet them where they are. So it's, it's this notion of they want to be involved, they want to move the needle in their state or county to integrate GIS and in elections, but as you indicated, not everybody's at the same place. So the first step really is identifying where they are. And we created this pod system and it helps them to identify where they are. Are they exploring this, developing relationships, putting together a plan? Are they implementing this within their state or county so they're actually doing the work? Or are they to a point where they're operating um, and doing GIS and elections in their state or county and they're enhancing the use of GIS and elections? So that's kind of the first step is the, the pilot project, the team would identify where they are. And then we're able to figure out how we can help them. And it also allows them to have that starting point to then determine and build out their plan. And they 
consider what they can accomplish, that office, that group, that team over a six month period. And they're thinking about, you know, who has capacity, what resources they have available to them, you know, in terms of software, you know, and also people and time. Um, so all those things are discussed and determined, and then they set their, their path forward and they figure out what they can accomplish. And I think that that's been key because we never would want to articulate or say, you need to do this. We need to be able to, to be nimble. I think you said that earlier, Eric, and be able to, to meet them where they are. And we've had great success with that. So we've had you know, pilots, uh, West Virginia, the state of West Virginia was one of our first pilot states in 2019. And they did a bunch of exploring, bringing a team together, meeting more regularly. The GIO was talking with the state election director and the CIO. And then we've also, you know, worked with Shasta County in 2020 that developed their team. They had their election folks. They had their GIS folks at the county. They uh, utilized a community college um, of GIS interns, and they performed a spatial data audit to make sure that their voters were voting in the right precincts and districts. So that's been really key is making sure that you can meet people where they are, um, because not everybody has the same starting point or the same resources available to them. Jamie, that was an interesting example you just gave about uh, working with some college interns. Do you have maybe suggestions or recommendations about how election officials across the country can partner with people or organizations like that to bolster their own capabilities? So that that has been, you know, the big example of working with a, a local community college. Um, but another thing that's been talked about more recently lately is this idea that election officials, as we know, have not a lot of resources. Sometimes they don't have the knowledge about geographic information systems, nor the time to dig in, right? So what would it look like to have a, a, a tech partner um, that they could rely on and, and utilize um, to help them with this type of thing, geo-enabled elections? And so with the NISJIC project, we have a NISJIC fellow that we have been able to uh, share with some of the, the projects to help do some of the, the work. You know, sometimes it's geocoding work. Sometimes it's, you know, doing a point and polygon analysis. Sometimes it's, you know, talking through um, with the elections folk or the GIS folks about different processes or workflows. But we have that capability to partner them with somebody that has, you know, that technological experience. I think that's key. You know, it kind of doesn't matter where you get that support, but having, having some uh, resource that can provide sort of a technical st strategy and maybe even a little bit of uh, labor um, and to do the analyses, that's really helpful. And in Utah, we've got a number of counties, I'm going to say 10, that have a population of less than 10,000 people. And all of them had like in-house GIS software, but not all of them had the time or the technical staff to, to use it at the time. You know, we basically, in order to, to build the statewide collection of, of voting unit boundaries, we said we would take anything. So some counties were sending in 
photos of the map on the wall and others were sending in PDFs that they had marked up with Sharpies and that was fine. Um, you know, we had to figure out a way to make that work. And, and as Jamie said, meet folks where they, where they are. And I think that having that kind of support planned out and having adequate resources is, is really important for folks looking to make the jump. So when you're working with a larger county that does have those resources like Maricopa County, you know, presumably they've got some of this built out. What does that look like when you're trying to talk to them about what they should be doing on this path? Because I, I mean, my assumption as a smaller county is, well, of course they'd already be doing that because they have the resources to do that. What's a pilot project look like with a large county? So with Maricopa County, Maricopa County, they are a part of the project. They've been more a part of the project at a level of mentorship. So they provided a case study kind of outlining their journey, geo-enabling their elections. If I'm remembering correctly, it was like about the 2010 timeframe that um, they began that work. But what they bring to the table is the experience and also the technology know-how to do some of these things. So um, Gary Bellotta has been uh, a part of the project and a mentor to Shasta County for a couple iterations now. And he's stepping up yet again to help with Vermont, um, who's one of our pilot states in 2021. But, you know, they're the classic example of operating where they have geo-enabled their elections and now they're using GIS and GIS technology to enhance the experience for the voter and also the people in elections. They are using GIS to build dashboards to show wait times, ballot drop box locations, drive times, you know, doing some of these um, more in-depth analyses around election geography and election point data like drop boxes and polling locations because they have succeeded in building out their voting unit GIS layer, doing the geocoding of their uh, voter registration system. So that that's what it looks like to be kind of in that operating pod, if you will. You're, you're beyond the, and I don't wanna say beyond, like you have a handle on election data management, and now you're, you're going to that next level of being able to, to do some of the analysis around the layers. For our project, it was really helpful to test our ideas for what to do at the statewide level with the clerks in the larger counties, but then also with the clerks in the smallest counties. And uh, we got different levels of, inf of feedback and information. And, and I think since we were doing a statewide implementation, we tried to meet the more detailed needs of the larger counties, but also figure out a way to make it not too cumbersome for the smallest counties. And the largest counties were really, they got that. They saw the advantages of having the geo-enabling of the voter registration database. And so they were really supportive. They're like, we can only really have this in the statewide system if we bring everybody on board. So they knew that, that they had to help us to refine the requirements so that they would work for everybody and they just were an excellent sounding board. You know, most redistricting is done by, you know, some kind of commission or whatever at a state level, but there's also some line drawing that's done, you know, at the very local level, you know, at the election authority, like you mentioned, precinct boundaries and things like that. 
you know, I've seen in some presentations that uh, some providers of GIS software, you know, have the capability to kind of open it up to the public where the public can, you know, kind of make efforts to draw their own lines. Do you think there's any thing on the horizon there that will kind of change the way that election authorities can engage the public around this, this type of thing? In 2011, when Utah was doing their statewide redistricting, they used a map-based application to let anyone who wanted to submit redistricting proposals. And I think they got over 400. So be a little bit careful what you ask for. But um, you know, some of the folks submitting those proposals were folks who served in the legislature, who's responsible for, or who was responsible solely for redistricting a decade ago. So that app got a lot of play. And in many ways, it kind of set the stage for the expectations that, well, if you're gonna propose and, and view these districting proposals in GIS, why aren't, you know, why can't we do this in the voter registration database as well? Why can't we use the same technology? And I think that that, that made the path even easier. Um, the fact that folks had been looking at those proposals in a digital map, um, in a browser, just made it that much smoother a path to, to getting everybody on board to, to do a full-blown statewide um, geo-enabling of the, of the voter database. But yeah, I think, I think that there's a place for that. I haven't heard of anyone doing it with precinct proposals. I think it's, it's probably much more common to be done in the future with the elected office districts themselves, and you could do it at a local level or a statewide level just as easily. Has it been what you expected when you started creating this project? What has surprised you from it? I think that's pretty easy for me. Um, I live in a big city, um, Salt Lake City, and it was always fun to work with our colleagues in the rural areas, but I think I had an underappreciation for um, how well, the rural areas of the state are officially addressed. And that was, that was a little bit of an issue. We had one county commissioner tell us that he had three addresses. He had the address that the phone company gave him when he signed up for a telephone number and another address that the power company assigned when he signed up for electricity. And then he had the one that he liked and, and he used. And you know those are the numbers he put up on his ranch house. But yeah, I think I, I didn't have a full appreciation for that. And that was actually one of the things that the clerks in the rural areas liked is that they could manage the, the voter registration database by moving a point around that represented, um, ideally it was right on top of the, the house in the aerial photography that represented the voter's location versus um, having to, to deal with all of that addressing ambiguity. and. Um, for me, that's an easy answer. I knew that that was an issue, but I didn't quite understand um, the intricacies of the rural addressing areas and, and the history of, of how they had come to addresses or multiple addresses in some cases. I love that point, Bert. Uh, I know in Missouri, we have a whole bunch of counties that don't have addresses, you know, formal addresses. They have, you know, PO boxes. But it's also the case that most of those counties, after redistricting happens, there aren't any lines that change. So, you know, why would they think, you know, this kind of thing is important? But for that very reason you mentioned, you know, um, you know, somebody 
pulls a trailer out in the middle of the field and they register to vote from there, you know, it's much, much easier to use a GIS enabled election uh, voter database than it is to, you know, try to triangulate it by, with some other means. So, yeah, we had one rural county that had never been split into state house districts before. And the split that the legislature drew up initially was right through the middle of, of the most settled area of that rural county. And um, they, they kind of couldn't believe that the legislature had done this to them. But in the end, the GIS capabilities really made that division easy. Doesn't mean they liked it, but um, it ended up being much less problematic than they expected. What should local election authorities be doing right now? What ideally do you see them preparing for or trying to move toward to advance the path towards GIS enabled elections? And what resources are out there for them right now so that, you know, they don't have to wait for the state to move or rely on their county IT department? What can they start looking into to be proactive? So I think there's quite a few things they can do. The first thing I would recommend is, is certainly heading out to our website. So it's elections.nizjic.org. And there's lots to read, of course, but it's also kind of the gateway to a, a bunch of resources. First and foremost, um, if you go to the latest news, you'll see some information about our geo-enabled elections training series. And this is a five-part series. We're three courses in. So the next course is this coming Thursday. It's all about contextual data when it comes to viewing election data, um, how important that contextual data is that can kind of be in the background underneath your precincts and your districts and your precinct splits. Um, so that course will be all about that. It's at 2 p.m. Eastern time, and you can register through NISJIC's webpage or Center for Tech and Civic Life. Um, NISJIC partnered with that organization to put on these trainings. And then the final training will be June 3rd, the following Thursday, and that's all about this notion of validating and kind of auditing your uh, geospatial information and data. So that's one thing I would recommend. In addition, on the website, elections.nizjic.org, we have a series of documents that I encourage folks to just kind of page through. We have an executive summary on the best practices for geo-enabled elections. There are five of them. That's what the course series is based off of. Um, so you can find that there, it's only eight pages. Um, we do have a more in-depth version for people that really wanna dig in. So I encourage you to check that out if you're super interested. And then, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we've had these pilot projects. And at the end of every pilot project, we put together a summary document. And it's basically the lessons learned, the tips and tricks that these folks, you know, learned during their pilot project. And so we have a document for 2019 and the five uh, projects that were pilots then, and then also uh, one for 2020, which is um, the uh, six pilot projects, including Shasta County that I mentioned earlier. I think what has really stood out to me is that you could be in the middle of a training on elections and next generation 911 is the hot topic in the chat. And it's it's all about this synergy around addressing. And there's 
just so many, you know, disciplines that rely on a robust address data set and an accurate address data set. And if we can align these different groups, we'll be winners. Well, I love it. I think we get this work and it, it, it's not just a benefit to elections, the benefit to so many other entities and people. Thanks everybody for listening to another episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins. And thanks to Jamie Chesser and Bert Granberg for talking to us about geo-enabled elections and drawn maps and all that good stuff. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you tune in next time to High Turnout, Wide Margins.